Hi, this is Janet Gallen. Welcome you to Love Letters Live. And today's guest, oh, such a joy. Okay, today's guest is Adam Sherman. And I, I'll tell you how I met Adam once I introduce Adam. Adam, you can go ahead and say hello first. Hello, everyone. And thank you so much, Janet, for inviting me onto this amazing podcast of yours. I mean, what better way with what we're going to talk about than a show that is literally called Love Letters Live? Yes, thank you. And um, I, I, may I just tell people how we met? We met at Trader Joe's. I was there and I was doing some marketing and the lane to check out was Adam's. And, you know, he looked like a serious fellow. And I walked up and, you know, he was checking me out. And I said to him, you know, I prefer single bags, lightweight, because if they're too heavy, the handles crack. And he said, if you turn them, the handles inside, if you rotate them, they are easier to lift and less likely to crack. That was the most wonderful tip. So I do it all the time now. And then we were talking and it came out in conversation that Adam has written a book and a really important book, and I'm going to let you tell about it, but I just want to say that I get the feeling that you are kind of a natural teacher. I uh, don't claim to be, but I just do my best in whatever uh, situation, whichever moment that I'm in. Mm -hmm. There were, and that's, it's great that I use that term because it was a moment that actually made me want to write this book. And again, going off on even the title of your podcast, I feel that it is a story about love and not just love for oneself or whoever comes into your life. But to me, through my experiences, I feel that true love comes from not only showing where it exists, but also where it doesn't and oh. striving to, you know, get love into those absent areas. Well, and let me ask you something. Let's just to back up because I know you a little bit now, but the people who are watching and listening don't yet. Most mm -hmm. of tell us about yourself. You, you, you had mentioned this is uh, that you were on the spectrum of autism. And why don't you just tell us about yourself? And when did you first notice this? Were you the first one to notice it? Was it your parents? What? Well, the first thing that people need to know about autism is that it's not as generic as certain disorders like ADHD, schizophrenia, bipolar. Those signs are often much easier to notice, but autism, the official term is autism spectrum disorder. Mm -hmm. Thank like, you. Unlike the colors of the rainbow, no two autistic people are the same. I'm not like anyone who's autistic like me because I'm as unique as my own fingerprints like they are. Yes. And by the way, there's, there is so much variety and so many different talents and abilities and Yes, indeed. Many, many abilities. And that is why I feel that to be autistic defies stereotypes, because, yes. again, not all autistic people are the same. Some of us may have similar mannerisms, but our development, our experiences, they're all our own. And that's where my story comes in. OK, really so tell, tell us about your story and your development. Now, are you, do you have brothers, sisters? Are you an only? I have a younger brother who's currently in Washington, D.C., going for his master's. Nice. Um, and my parents live in the same city as me here in beautiful San Francisco. And, and what, was, what was your first indication that you may be processing things differently than expected? 
for the first 14 years of my life, I never suspected a thing. My parents, yes, they had me meet with doctors. They had me meet with psychologists. They put me in certain reading groups. But then why, again, was, why was that? I never questioned that because they're my parents and they raised me and we had and we had and still do very much have a very loving relationship. So yeah. that, I guess, also being a kid, it did blind me to what was really happening behind the scenes. But I also convinced myself that everyone, they had psychologists they talked to, everyone had doctors they went to. So nothing felt out of the ordinary for me. It wasn't until I was 14 and I was taken out of school for the day and taken to these psychologists when they told me that contrary to what I believed about being as normal as everyone else, I wasn't. That's such and an irritating concept, as normal as everyone else, isn't it? Sort of, but at the same time, I didn't feel like there was anything in entirely different about me. Right. And th th to be told that I was, some autistics find it a relief because yeah. often you don't know what's going on, but that wasn't my experience, which is why when I was told that I was autistic and therefore different from everyone else, I immediately built up a enormous proverbial wall of denial. How did you do that? Oh, I would make it a taboo subject in my household. I promised my parents I'd be a very angry and misbehaving teenager if they ever brought it up, among oh. other things. Uh, and I thought I was protecting myself, but it took a lot of time and rather difficult experiences to make me realize that I was only hurting myself. And oh, how good of you to say this. See, you are, you are a natural teacher. Okay, go ahead. No, it's okay. It was in college when, you know, I, uh, I started to realize that things weren't going my way. And I, I, I finally opened up to the idea that I needed help. And Good for you. Yes. Um, and so I started talking to, you know, psychologists, I started like mellowing out my more high strung type A behavior, and really just allowed for myself to become a lot more flexible than I was in high school. And college definitely has that effect on people for sure. May I ask you, when you said to, you know, do something about your behavior, can you go back a thought and how did you do that? Well, I noticed that... Um, Change your own behavior. I noticed that I wasn't as observant of certain things and that would irritate people. Like for instance, there was a uh, a former friend of mine who was going through a personal crisis. And I guess in my mind, I was trying to take his mind off all of that by, Hey, we're in college. We're enjoying ourselves. Let's just go. But I guess that only irritate him further. But by the time that I know realized that I should have been there for him and noticed more about what he was going through, it was too late in his mind where he didn't want anything to do with me at that point. Um, I'm not saying that it's entirely my fault. He also was guilty of doing some bad things to me because he knew I was autistic. Mm -hmm. But at the same what are, time, what are bad things to do to people who are autistic? Well, everyone, we, we talk a lot about how every single person in, the, in this planet makes mistakes. Mm -hmm. The problem is that a lot of the times the mistakes I made, even though to an outside observer, they weren't actually all that different from what others do. Mm -hmm. I think the idea that I was more socially challenged or just simply behaved differently, it made it easier for people to not only buy into the belief that you should instantly hate or fear what you don't understand, but it also made it easier for them to treat what, what would have been like forgivable mistakes for others 
treated them more as cardinal sins for me. How awful. So, so I want to um, ask you something about that, that mistakes. Yes, you're right. And, and when people, you made a really good and important point, I think that people fear or hate what they don't understand. And I, I think, and I've seen, cause I'm an old woman now that every step we have taken towards um, passing ignorance, passing it by and saying so long is so important. And we've, I think we've come a long way since when I was a girl, certainly. So now let's talk about your book, because I think you're going to teach people a lot about life in that. And you said there was a moment that you decided to write it. Write it. Back in 2016, there was a news report. And on the surface, it seemed like, because at the time, this was when movements like Black Lives Matter were really taking off. On the surface, it looked like another racially involved police shooting that Black Lives Matter was going to jump on like they have so many others. But the twist came and it was a very awful one. You see this shooting, it didn't involve one person. It actually involved two. And Which shooting? This was in North Miami back in 2016. And the man, Charles Kinsey, was a middle-aged African-American male who was lying on his back with his hands up and despite clearly not being armed, he was still shot in the leg by a police sniper. Um, now, at, on the surface, again, it looked like just another BLM issue. But the thing is, the video footage showed him on his back, but with another younger man sitting in the middle of the intersection with him. Oh. And I, I then looked at who it was. His name is Arnaldo Soto. I remember this now, yes. 23 years old, non-communicative, low-functioning autistic with the mind of an eight-year-old. He had been in that neighborhood because he'd wandered away from the group home where he was being taken care of. He was a 23-year-old playing with a toy truck in the street, and yet somehow an overzealous witness believed he was a suicidal man with a gun. And that's exactly the mindset that the police had going in. And what made it even worse was when the police finally made a statement saying that Mr. Kinsey was an accident. They were trying to shoot Soto. And that destroyed me because this really? man with the mind of a kid who had no control over his circumstances, who had nothing in his hand other than a toy, nearly lost his life in a situation that never should have happened. And I knew I had to do something. And that was the night that I put my fingers to my keyboard. And I don't have a, a good imagination when it comes to storytelling. All I have is my own story. And that's what I wrote because in many ways it is like him. Well, you just told this one really movingly. So you're a good reporter, but go ahead. That actually comes uh, with the territory because uh, I am the son of journalists. Was that right? <laughs> okay. my, my parents had a very illustrious career uh, in all, all over the world, really, like D.C., Thailand, Japan. What did they do? Like, in fact, I'd like to tell people, you'd never know this just to look at me, but I may be American, but I wasn't born in America. I was really? born in Tokyo. And so what did you, just to digress for a little minute, what did your parents each do? Did they work together? What kind of things did they cover? Well, they, they met as college sweethearts. And after college, my mom initially went to law school while my dad was in a bookshop. But then they both found, through opportunity, a chance to work for United Press International. And 
from there, even if they worked for different publications or did freelance work, their work was always together. Oh, nice. Sometimes they'd be on separate continents, but they'd still be together. And it, they always came back to each other. And eventually, you know, I came along. <laughs> your, your family sounds wonderful. How lucky you were to have them and they to have you as their son. Okay, so go ahead. You sat down yes. on the keyboard to write this book. And, and what was in your mind when you, what did you want to say when you first sat down? The very first thing I wanted to do was to tell everyone about Arnaldo Soto, because I have always had in my head that when I am passionate about something and it, and it's bigger than me, that's exactly it right there. It's never just about me. I want to make sure that others are involved. And I actually have, since we did mention Black Lives Matter earlier, there is one part of the movement that really does speak to me. And that was the slogan they use for say their names oh, so that yes. you know who they are. And the problem is that a lot of issues, and, and I've done my research, there have been others like Soto that have been brutalized or even killed for who they are. And their names are not being said. That's awful. Yes. I want to make sure people know who they are. And it starts with me. Good for you. You know, that that business of not say their names. There are so many areas in which we cannot be strangers to each other. We cannot be unknown to each other. Yes. And well, thank you for that, saying their names. Okay, go ahead. So keep going. Of course. And it took a long time. We have, I'd say it took me about two years to write the book. Um, but then four years of editing, COVID delays, and finding a publisher. So this was a long time coming. How did you? Okay. Yeah, this book was just published back in July. Well, I knew that. I just didn't realize it took so long getting there. Um, so you wanted people to know. What did, you, what did you want people to know about you personally and your life? And what's the title of your book, please? It's called Living Beyond Normal, an Autistic Autobiography. And uh, I just wanted people to know that I understand the way I didn't know when I was younger, that I didn't uh, behave uh, the same way as others. Uh -huh. And that unfortunately led to a period of estrangement by people who just didn't want to understand me because they were having a hard time doing that and, and it was easier to walk away than to face something different and see that it actually is quite beautiful on the inside. Yes, yes. And sometimes, I don't know if you feel this, but I do, that our differences are our greatest strengths. Yeah. As, you know, as a human kind. Okay. <laughs> some, of the, some of the things you just told, I'm just on the verge of tears. Okay. Um, yes, that incident in Miami, I remember it. Inexcusable. Tell me, well, I want to say, okay, so your book is out in bookstores now? Um, in some. Amazon? I believe it's in Barnes & Noble. I know that the San Francisco main branch library has it too. If anyone wants to buy it online, which seems to be the way of the world these days, That's I right. would say yes, the Barnes & Noble website, Amazon, Nook. And in fact, um, if you go onto my publisher's website, the sagergroup.net, S-A-G-E-R, that that's your publisher? Yes, uh, he's actually a good friend of my father's, and I owe him everything for giving me the chance to publish this. Um, but yeah, he has all the links on my profile for where you can get my book. Okay, so I, I want to mention something, that we are at a time of year where gift giving 
is on people's minds. It is December. And, you know, we have Christmas and we have Hanukkah and we have reasons for giving gifts. And then there are just no reasons for giving gifts. And what a wonderful reason that is. And I'm just, let's go through the list of people who would benefit from your book. And I don't want to just say who wouldn't because everyone would, but let's be specific. So when people are looking for gifts, because I have a few thoughts, what do you say? Well, you're absolutely right. When I, um, when I wrote this book, I never had a target audience in mind because I knew that despite how specific the subject matter is, there are universal themes within it that everyone can relate to. But for the sake of this, if I have to narrow it down, I know exactly where to start. Good. Parents and adolescent youth, and it doesn't matter whether they have autistic children or not, because right. the way I see it is if I was a parent and I had autistic children, I'd want them to know that they're not alone, that someone has been through the ringer but came out clean the other side, and they have as much of an opportunity to really live their lives like this person is. But even if the, the children were not autistic, mm -hmm. I would want to dispel the notion that fear and hatred are the things that we immediately reach for when we're confronted with the unknown. Yes, and, instead, and also, you know, given how many people there are who are living on this particular spectrum, that high school kids, I mean, all of us, but high school kids and all of us have friends or meet people who are on the, and we might want to know more about them. Yes. Exactly. So that's why instead of reaching for hatred and fear, we teach our children to reach at the very least for curiosity and at best kindness. There you go. Yes. And, and lack of fear. And, exactly. and, and all the wonderful reasons you would include all these people into your life and be better off for it. So you exactly. talk, when you when you when we talked about love letters, you kind of sparked when we were talking before. Who would you write a love letter to? And I'm saying a love letter, but you know it's endless. There's no limit. If you were to sit down and write one right now, to whom would it be? Well, like a lot of people, and despite being different on a neurological sense, a common stereotype is that autistics do not feel empathy or show love, but. That couldn't be further from the truth for me. I feel so much. I probably felt every emotion under the sun. And there are people who I love more than anything in the world. I'm not just talking about my family. There have been those who I want to, again, I go back to my parents. They've actually been together 47 years. And if I could be just a fraction of that in my own life, I'd be the happiest man alive. So Isn't that I, a beautiful love letter right there to one, of, one or both of your parents? So, yeah. often, so often what we think and what we say, if we just write it out, put it in an envelope, stamp it and send it, somebody's going to be real happy. But go ahead. So if there was a specific woman with whom I'd want to have a chance to have that kind of life that my parents had for themselves, mm -hmm. I know exactly what I would say. You'll find, by the way, that anyone who reads my book, I literate with historical quotes. They've been a huge comfort in my, in my life. With this one I'm going to say right now, it's not in my book, but this is how I would describe it in a love letter to the love of my life. I would say... Does she know that she's the love of your life? 
I hope one day she will, but everything is a bit of a chess game and I have to find the patience to make it all work out. Sure. I would say to her that, to quote the legendary Thomas Merton, love is our true destiny. We do not find the meaning of life by ourselves alone. We find it with another. And I, I just hope that if she ever does, you know, know how much I care that she'll know that she'll be the luckiest woman ever to be with me as I to be with her. Good for you. Yes. Oh my goodness. That is so wonderful. So you you know her, I mean, you've spent time together as friends or. Yes. Um, And, and you see, I've also learned again, this goes back to when I was younger. I'll admit that, especially as a high schooler, I saw things very black and white, but I would never admit to that at the time. Mm -hmm. But coming into college, I began to really become more flexible, see that there were more pathways than we ever could have imagined. And that even relationships are very flexible and fluid. They go through phases. They become something we never expected. Eventually things work out the way we want. And while my relationship, so to speak, continues in a way that I'm still trying to understand myself, I still have a lot of faith that it will all work out for me and for whoever decides to be a part of my life. Good. Now, what about, will you do this in your own handwriting? Um, yeah. Okay. Wait, you want me to actually write right now? Or, no, I mean, just when you do it, you know, sometimes people, I mean, I'm, I'm big on handwriting. Mm. You know, handwriting carries so much with it. And sometimes people feel that their handwriting is awful, that they should, there's no such thing. You know, it's yours. And that alone makes it something really special. And sometimes people would really do it, would rather do it on a word processor and print it out. And sometimes it's a very long letter. That's appealing. But then people can sign it and do a little PS or something. Just so, you know, once it's in your handwriting, like if it's all on the word processor, where's the proof that you've been there? Hmm. Do it. If 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 it's your handwriting and somebody gets your letter, they they're touching something that's felt the touch of your hand. Yeah, you're right. There is that feeling that it really is personal for them. And I guess if you do it that way, it makes it more special because otherwise it can be seen as generic any other way. Right. But oh, I, I hope you'll do it soon. Yeah, I believe I can always. I mean, yes, I may have used my keyboard from my book, but. There's plenty of stuff I can write on my own with my own hand. <laughs> right. And so, so, you know, writing love letters is kind of a way of life, I think. And so there are other people also, you know, friends or people you work with. And sometimes, I don't know how you feel about this, just dropping like three lines when you have a memory, like dear so-and-so, I remember when you, you know, first, when we first met, and I can I can remember what the feel of your handshake was. It was so welcoming. Whatever it is, sometimes just a little memory. And as you say, you feel a lot. I can tell you do. Yeah, you're right. And I'm actually glad you're bringing that up because especially in going back to how you met me at Trader Joe's, um, not to sound in any way like I'm minimizing our reaction, but you're also not the first person I've had these kind of intimate uh kind of greetings with and and the effect that comes with it I would like to say and I for their for their sake of their privacy I'll be non-specific but there's a family that has come to Trader Joe's with two small kids mm-hmm. and I'll never understand how it happened only that it did 
But these kids, they just took an interest in me. Like I was some big brother figure. And you see in my, in the past, I have done work with children and there's nothing greater than to see a child's honesty, innocence, and truth within them. Like there's so much to be gleaned from that, even as adults, like they can, I, I do understand the mean of how some people say that children can teach you more than you could ever to, to them. And I did learn something from them, which is that as I got to know them and their parents by extension, I was able to be myself and they loved all of it. And so did the parents to the point where they actually equated me to Mr. Rogers. <laughs> and then they found out about the book. Uh -huh. So one day the mother comes in on her own, says she bought the book and wants me to autograph it, but not for her, but for her son. I wondered about that. People buying it and coming in because I'm going to do that. Go ahead. Um, no, that's really great because this just underlines how important that is to be recognized for all the right reasons. And yes, the reason yeah. here... Well, I was just going to say, you know, recognized for the right reasons. And that's what so many of these letters hold, just an acknowledgement. And, you know, I say gratitude and love taken to the grave serves no one. Might as well write it out and send it. Pardon? That's why it has to be out there, of course. Um, and this, in this case, I'm glad it came out because she wanted me to sign hers for her son for a very specific reason. And apparently at eight years old, he has a friend, same age, who is autistic. And at this stage, he is going through stuff like, you know, uh, over exuberance, atypical speech, even physical head tics. And as a result, schoolyard kids are not treating him very nice. Oh. And so what happened was when they found out about this, the parents sat their son down, told them exactly who and what his friend is, and then mentioned that I'm like him too. And do you know what this little boy said in response to all of that? Uh, I get really choked up when I talk about this, but he said, uh, I'm really glad I know this. I love him even more and I'm going to protect him. <laughs> Okay, so now even more people, and that's what I'm saying, you know, we all have people in our lives who are somewhere on this continuum, and the more we understand, the better. And if this doesn't illustrate it perfectly, thank you so much. I'm wondering if this should be required reading for all teachers. I wholeheartedly agree. In fact, I am trying to convince entire school districts, libraries to both have them there for optional reading, but also to put them into curriculum for specific subjects. This could probably work for psychology class, English class, anything involving good. It, all, it all also could work for universities where people are getting degrees there or they're getting their credentials to become teachers. Absolutely. You, I, you hear stories about children in class who are on the spectrum at a variety and the teachers, they ignore them. They don't, they don't, compliment them for what they do well, a whole bunch of stuff. Teachers should have to read this. It goes beyond that too, because actually the next thing I want to talk about in relation to that is something I'm going through right now. And I know that many others are too, which is, and I'm, you should know that I am a very honest person and I take no shame in saying what I know to be true. And we live in what I call an ableist job market economy. A lot of us, because we have uh, you know disabilities or are not able to react the same way as others. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, many employers out there, 
they see disability as a deficit and a deficit is a liability. And that makes it very hard for us to do what they want. I'm working at Trader Joe's because I, that's the kind of job I can do right now, but I know exactly what I want and I'm not being allowed to have it despite my hard work. And I can tell you at least three other stories of people who are in the exact same situation. Okay, this is important also. Yes. Mm -hmm. Can you, are, do you feel comfortable saying what it is you do want to do? Absolutely. I graduated from university with a degree in environmental studies. So mm -hmm. if it were up to me, I'd be working for either a nonprofit organization or local or state government within the same area. And you've applied for these jobs? For each of the past eight years. My goodness. Mm-hmm. It's been very hard knowing that, you know, it's in addition to the usual competition in this capitalist economy, it's but still difficult to make it happen. No, there's no good reason not to hire you. Okay. Let's talk about that another time. That's critical. You've covered so much here. Absolutely. Um, there's so much more to talk about. You know, if, if, if you'd like to come back, if there's more you want to talk about in some other area and want to do another one of these with me, you'll let me know. If you want this to be a recurring thing, I'd be more than happy to. Okay. Isn't that good? We'll, we'll figure out some other things that important for people to know. But meanwhile, I want to thank you for doing this with me and so much to learn in life, isn't there? Yeah, this is always, it's always going to be a multifaceted kind of subject matter. It's not just about being autistic, but about the stimuli that this world gives you and how you give back to it. So I definitely agree with you that there are so many more things we can talk about this book and about my experience in a way that I feel can help everyone. Because I definitely believe, as you do, as many others do, that even though there's always going to be people in this world who believe that hatred is what they should reach for, that love really does, does succeed and love never fails. And I'm gonna always be honest with where love exists, where it doesn't, but how we can ultimately help love prevail. Good for you, I like that. And also I do wanna say when people reach for hatred, I believe that that hatred just comes from fear that they can't control, they don't know what to do with. Yeah, you're you, right. And when you're terrified, you defend yourself somehow. I would like to say something just on that before we wrap this up. Mm -hmm. I've said this before in previous talks I've given about my book is that I believe there are three groups in our human society. Mm -hmm. One is where they've been so raised in a specific area, indoctrinated into it, that no matter what, they're never going to change. And we've seen, you know, people who have been raised in hatred and who believe so wait, wait, wait. don't don't say anymore right now because this will be perfect for another visit okay can we do that because this is going to need a little more time and i'd like it to shine on its own absolutely i i'm, I'm only going to summarize what i say here there's that group which is thankfully small there's mm -hmm. a bigger group of people that we can talk about in more detail that sometimes they're in the stereotypes but they have the capacity to change and that is where it can happen. And then okay. there are people like you and me, we're just born kind, born good oh. people who want to do what's best for ourselves and for everyone around us. Those are the three groups I believe in. And okay. trust me, it will be great subject matter in the, another session. Because I think even the group when you, you know, you're born lucky that you don't have these hatreds, it, you've got to be encouraged to, to live like that. Okay, I'm going to tell you goodbye now. I am so glad we met. I'm so glad you're part of my life. And my best to your parents, whom I don't know, but I have a feeling for them already. Okay. Thank, Thank you for you. this. And I can't wait to show everyone this as well. 
Yes, <laughs> this is important. Okay, I, I I hope you get to do what you want to do in life. We have plenty of time to discuss it when you want. Well, we do. And let's have everybody keep eyes open for opportunities for you in this. Somebody may know someone you don't know. All right. Goodbye for now. Have I'll a good talk to you later. Mwah. Goodbye. Bye.